Uh, this shiur is going to come from Lakuti Sichos, uh, volume 18, pages uh, 271 to 279. And we're going to be bringing this uh, lecture down from the Parshas Belach, and it's going to be called The Secret to the End of Days, Balaam's Prophecy. The Secret to the End of Days, Balaam's Prophecy. Often uh, one can read through these uh, m- massive uh, wordy text and not realize that hidden deep within the code is something very interesting about the end of days. Most of you that will hear this will recognize, ah, that's where it comes from. That's where we understand where this idea comes from. This text uh, comes on the heels of, of um, uh, Bilam's attempt to curse Israel and I called him Last year, I gave him the title as the for-profit, uh, non-profit. <laughs> it's a play on words, but anyway, you'll get it. The for-profit, non-profit. He was a true prophet. He, uh, the, the Shekinah, or, or the uh, Ruach of Hashem, the divine presence, would descend upon him at night when he slept. He would hear from the voice of God. <clears throat> God would talk to him. Uh, the reason why it is said that God raised up uh, Bilam in the nations is there was a complaint that how can you give Israel Moshe and not give us a prophet? We don't have a prophet. So they would stand in judgment and say, you're the one. It's the reason why that we never could even know what to do in our lives because we don't have a prophet like Moshe. So they give him Bilam. Now the problem is, is with someone like Bilam, they have enough of the knowledge of God to be dangerous and to persuade a lot of people to do things that they shouldn't do. He was the false kind of, when I say false prophet, didn't mean that he wasn't a prophet, uh, but he, he was a prophet, but not like Moses. He was a prophet like from the nations. And as we sit here, there are uh, plenty of prophets in the nations that are not Jewish. And they do some amazing things, can say some amazing things, can prophesy some amazing things, but that does not mean that they are correct in what they do. So even in that, with Balaam attempting, Balaam trying to, curse Israel, ends up blessing them each time. Makes some very profound statements, like one says that, that Israel, they are like flint stones. And you think, flint stones? Why a flint stone? A flint stone's easily broken. It can be bumped and knocked. I mean, it's in a way a bit brittle. Why a flint stone? But the profound words of this is that these, there are so many of them, so available and they end up becoming the tools of Hashem. And ultimately, what does flint do? You make fire with it. It creates sparks. So he's, he was saying some of the most profound, speaking some most profound words about the nation of Israel and prophesying. And, and so I want to bring some of this down from, um, from, from the Rebbe, uh, Rebbe Schneerson, and also from the Rambam, from the code called Yad Chazakah, which would be the law, uh, code of law. It says, uh, and we know this pretty much so, it says in the code of law, whoever does not believe in him or does not wait for his coming denies only the statements of the other prophets, but also of those, that is the Torah, and of Moshe, our teacher, for the Torah attest to his coming, stating that the Lord your God will bring back your captivity and have compassion upon you, and he will return you and gather you from among the nations, even if your dispersed ones are in the furthest reaches of heaven, 
from there will God gather you in. God will bring you to the land. So this idea of, of a Mashiach, the 13 principles of faith, says that we are to believe in a Mashiach. Now we also know, according to Torah, uh, uh, Halakha, or the Mishnah, that we shouldn't obsess about what he's going to do, how he's going to do it, when he's going to do it. Those are things to be pondered, not by men, only for the divine to ponder. However, to believe that there will be a Messiah is very important. Uh, we had this discussion, I believe, uh, two weeks ago in Rabbi Wobi's class, in which they talked about uh, the Mashiach. And one, one person said, well, I, I feel like that... Um, that it's a pie in, was it pie in the sky? Is that what the person said? Something like that? Sort of like a pie in the sky thing. It's like, why even worry about it? Why even think about it? Well, my friend, if you were the Jewish people for the last 2,000 years, you know that you've lived on the tip end of the spear. Not on the handle side, the tip side. You've always had a spear to your side. You ran from country to country. You were in turmoil all the time. And so the idea of Mashiach coming to bring about final redemption and bringing judgment upon the nations is a very pleasant thing. And the reason why many people lose their mind over what we call end-of-day prophecies is because they're coming from a particular religious view that is found in Christianity that scares the ever-living hell out of everybody. And without a hope of the redemption being something of beauty, we know that when the Mashiach comes... He's going to be like a scorpion to some, and he's going to be like a jewel to others. Why? Because those who are waiting on him, and are waiting on him because they know that he's going to bring the presence, divine presence of God, and he's going to transform the world, it will be like a treasure. But there are going to be others who are caught up in, in the world of Edom. They're going to be caught up in the philosophies of men. They're going to be caught up in their idolatry, and it's going to be a real shocker. Because while you have prepared yourself, those in the nations who have changed their heart and begun to come to Torah Judaism, and for people who have Bali Tshuva become uh, righteous Jews again, become uh, strong in their, uh, their walk with Hashem, because they have taken serious the idea that if Mashiach comes, he's not going to come bring another Torah that's not the original Torah. He's going to be teaching us and expounding a greater level of Torah. And he's going to be bringing us to the Torah law, including the nations. Now, the nations won't be required to convert to Judaism, but the law of the land will be the Torah, period. That being the case, we should look forward to the Mashiach. The Rambam continues, and there's also a reference to the Mashiach in the passage concerning Bilam that we just read. And I want you to pay very close attention. If you write notes, you can, you can actually put a margin of, of the text. It says, uh, that um, who have prophesied about two anointed kings, right, in this text. The first anointed king is David Amalek, who saved Israel from their oppressors. So he's talking prophetically about David Amalek. And the, the final anointed king, who will rise up from among his descendants, David Amalek, and save Israel at the end of days. So what we're going to see in this text, this double prophecy, one is going to be to David Amalek, and the other one's going to be to, uh, to Mashiach, the final, the final redemption. Next it says, the following phrases from that passage 
saying, I see it, but not now, refers to David Amalek. And then the second part of the verse says, perceive it, but not in the near future, meaning the King Mashiach's, the age of King Mashiach. He says in the text, a star shall go from Yaakov, this referring to David Amalek, and a staff arise in Israel. What is that staff? The staff of kingship is speaking about the king of Israel, Mashiach. It says, he shall crush all of Moab's princes. Refers to David, because we know David Amalek crushes the Moabites. He smote them and took them into captivity. It says in the next sentence, and he shall break down all of, of, of Seth's descendants, this referring to King Mashiach. We have to ask ourselves, who are the descendants of Seth? Who are going to be the, who is going to be Seor? We're going to have to ask that question a moment. Next, Edom. It says, will be demolished. Who is that referring to? David Hamel. As it is written, Edom became the servants of David. His enemy, Seir, will be destroyed. This refers to Mashiach. It's interesting. Seir is actually also a, a set of mountains in this area that is west of, of Israel's land. And this mountain was populated with the people who are descendants of Seir. It is interesting that in this text, that if Mashiach is going to do, um, if, if Mashiach is going to um, deal with Seir, Seir, what does that mean? Meaning that he's going to deal with those in the West. He's going to just take care of all of the problems that exist. Some say, and as a matter of fact, was Rabbi... Yahashua ben Levi, who sees um, Elijah, the prophet, in the cave. And he asks prophet Elijah, when, when will we see Mashiach? He said, he's, he's, he's going to be he's here. He says, well, where is he? He said, you'll find him at the gates of Rome, binding the wounds as a leper. What in the world does that mean? He's binding the wounds like a leper. So this idea is that the Mashiach is going to come from outside of what they call the normal frame of thought, with the normative thought processes of Judaism. He's not going to be the type of guy that everybody's going to expect to be the Mashiach. Just not going to look like it. As a matter of fact, that says that he's going to come in riding on a donkey. Remember this? Why riding on a donkey? It says in the, the Mishnah says it didn't be riding the same donkey that, 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 um, that Moshe rode. Right? Well, we know there's not some old broke down donkey somewhere for a Mashiach to ride on. So the idea is this, is that the Mashiach, what does the donkey represent? Humility? Humbleness? He's going to be a humble, humble guy. But do not mistake his humility for the very fact that he is going to be a ferocious king. He is not going to play, play when it comes to matters of, of uh, evil and wickedness and sin. 
I would love to be able to stand before you today and paint you a picture in which when Mashiach comes, uh, everything's going to be rosy for everyone. It's not going to be rosy for everyone. Because there are going to be some people who are not going to be prepared. As a matter of fact, there will be some people who will rebel against the very idea of the Mashiach. They will despise the fact that this man comes thinking he is going to be the spokesman for the creator of the universe. Who does he think he is? Who's died and left him God, right? What's going to happen? So, with that being said, we know he's going to come and he's not going to play around. What does it mean he's going to be dealing with? His enemy, Seir, will be destroyed, meaning the armies that come from the West will be destroyed. No ifs, ands, or buts. We understand Gog and Magog is the same kind of process, our thought process. It says, as it is written, saviors will ascend to Mount Zion to judge the mountain of Esau. Esau also, we're understanding Adam, right? Re- meaning the descendants of Esau. Let me explain something. One of the hardest things for us to do is how do we know who do, whose are the descendants of Edom? How do we know? Who's the descendants of Esau? We don't know. Why? Because of modern transportation. People have moved all over the world. They've intermarried. There's cultures and, and, and uh, tribes. People are intermarried. We don't know. But I do believe that the ultimate test is look at their behavior. Look how they act. If you want to know an Ishmaelite, look how they act. If you want to know what an Edomite looks like or what a descendant of Esau looks like, look and find the person who, you know, doesn't necessarily want to see his brother Yaakov dead, but doesn't like him either. Right? There are those people in the world that says, ah, you know, Jews are all right. They're anti-Semitic. They won't go shoot them, but they just don't like them. Right? Then you have those people that are like Amalek, right, that just take every opportunity they can to destroy it. I want you to know that this, the enemies of Israel are the enemies of Hashem, period. That's all there is to it. Now, in the book of laws, um, it says in order for Rambam to prove that whosoever does not believe in him denies the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, it would be enough to simply state this is also stated in the section of Bilam, where he prophesies the coming of the final anointed king who will arise from his descendants and save Israel in the final days. So why does the Rambam explain that the verses refer to two anointed kings? And moreover, why does he go on explaining which of these kings is being referred to? Well, by doing so, the Rambam indicates that not only is it incumbent on us to believe in the Mashiach, in Mashiach it, and anticipate his coming, but that we should also know precisely of what we are to ex- uh, what we are expected to believe in. Meaning, if he's coming, what is he going to do? And wh- why is that important? Because we also have two or three messiahs that showed up on the on the doorsteps of history, claiming to be Mashiach, or someone claiming that they were Mashiach, and in and the Jewish. People rejected them. Why? Because they knew precisely what the Mashiach is supposed to do. And if he doesn't do it, he's not the Mashiach. Right? So bottom line, that's why the Rambam stresses this so strongly. So, that's why he states very heavily in the beginning of the chapter, the Messianic king will rise and renew the Davidic destiny, returning it to its initial sovereignty. He will build the temple 
and gathered the dispersed of Israel in this in his days the uh, the observant of all the statutes will return to their previous states in other words everything that is lacking in performance of the Torah and mitzvahs as a result of the exile as a result of all the other issues the destruction of the base of the lack of spirituality and connection the lack of prophecy all will be restored the coming Mashiach, just as it is during the reign of King David. The difference between the reign of King David and what's going to happen in the end of days is that the Yetzirah is going to be dealt with. And that Yetzirah will not be able to have mastery over those who have submitted themselves to Torah wisdom. It just won't have the mastery. Therefore, you will be able to do the mitzvahs. Nothing will be able to keep you from doing it. The only concern is this. For a person who has spent their entire life in, in this part, this side of redemption, struggling to do all of the mitzvahs they possibly can and struggling to be observant to the best of their abilities, to them, that is going to be a piece of cake. I mean, no big deal. The problem is going to be the person who has spent their entire life subjugating the very law of God, despising the very law of God, hating the law of God, and then all of a sudden they're going to be completely compelled they have to do it. They, and the thing is, is they won't be able to despise it anymore. It will be such a, it's going to be such a horrible place for these people. They don't even realize it. At the same time, a wicked person who has spurned the will of God and done evil will have no part in the world to come, period. Now, we go on. This is why it is said that God will bring back your remnants demonstrates that the Torah testifies about the Mashiach's coming by describing the situation that fulfills the purpose that coming, the Davidic dynasty will be renewed, returning it to its initial sovereignty, and all statutes will return to their previous state. That Mashiach and his actions will, re- will indeed be similar to King David, which is proven by the Rambam in this verse. It says, I see him, but not now, receiving, talking about David and Melech, but I, I perceive him, but not in the near future. He's talking about two different individuals, referring to King David. Edom will be demolished. This refers to David. Verses. Uh, as the verse states, Edom became David, uh, servants of uh, David, and Seir will be destroyed, referring to the Messianic king. Thus, these verses that the Rambam uses proves that the details of the Mashiach's reign and accomplishment dovetail with David's life, beginning with his reign and concluding with Edom with the demonst- for, will be de- demonstrated. For the purpose of Mashiach's coming include the renewal and return of the divinity kingdom, as well as Torah and its mitzvahs to the original uh, unblemished pre-exilic state. Meaning, when the Mashiach comes, here's the big secret. You won't have to guess. You, you won't have to have uh, Jewish news convince you of who the Mashiach is. You won't have to have a big religious experience. Cherubims will not be floating around your, your headboard announcing the arrival of a newborn king. How are you going to know it? 
He's going to deal with Edom. He's going to deal with the oppressors of Israel. He's going to restore the basic Midash. He's going to bring the Torah back, and it's going to become the law of the land of Israel, and all also become the law that the nations will love to take and consume and to eat like a sumptuous meal. That, my friend, you will know Mashiach is coming. How do I know that we are in the footsteps of Mashiach? Because we already see the rippling in the pond of the generation of the hill of Mashiach. We already see the nations coming and wanting to eat and consume Torah. Hours and hours. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of hours of Torah lessons are going up on the internet for anybody to listen to and to read and to study. And people are coming to the knowledge of God through uh, Torah Judaism and becoming B'nai Noach. Why are they doing that? Because the footsteps of Mashiach have already begun to be heard. And while the world is falling around us in calamity, our souls are being elevated. And while everybody else is worrying about the, set, you know, the seven blood moons, we're concerned about whether I am being a righteous man or a woman. And while the world is concerned about the collapse of the economy, we're concerned about the collapse of our neshama. And we're trying to every day build it and build it and build it. And we are looking for one thing, and that is the final redemption in which it will no longer be a struggle. And so if you want to know the, the greatest secret of all, and that is when Mashiach comes, he is going to make this place a better place. It's going to be a wonderful place. So in the prophecy of a, of a false prophet or a prophet that is wanting to curse Israel, not only does he bless Israel, but gives Israel the most wonderful hope, and that is even when you find yourself at your worst, even when you have found yourself being judged by your own God and cast into exile, know that your God will bring you out of captivity. And He will restore you. And He will restore this Torah with you. And He will restore His basic Mikdash. And so not only could He not curse them, but He blessed them forever as being the people of God. And Baruch Hashem. That concludes the lesson.